0: I'm Edda. I'm Ryan. And this
1: is Work Feels.
0: We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which we work and live on and pay our respects to indigenous elders past and present. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land.
1: All right, team, on this episode, we are covering money, 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 money. The
0: big dollar, dollar bills.
1: We decided to
0: do this episode because everything is getting expensive and it got us thinking about our salary and how our salaries haven't really risen that much in the last decade. However, the Woolies bill seems to have gone through the roof.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And while all us plebs are struggling at the Woolies checkout, CEOs around the world are making a killing and enjoying the fruits of our labor.
0: Yeah, what the fuck? Well, look, not every CEO, obviously, but we're we're just talking the big dogs. Let me read out a list of the names of the highest earning CEOs in Australia. (laughs) Shamara, Victor... Michael, Gregory, Roslyn, Ronald, Paul, Steve, Mike, Todd, Sandeep, Alistair, David, Kevin, Andrew, Robert, Ross, Colin, and the list goes
1: on. And what do they all have in common? They're all men.
0: (sighs) Unbelievable. Actually, so aside from the number one earning CEO in Australia, Shamara, the legend, is a woman and she is leading Macquarie Group and just taking in the big bucks. And I'm not mad about it, or maybe I am. <laughs> 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 oh, no, I mean, it is great to see a woman at the top of that list, but you know, every, literally every other single person on the 50 highest paid CEOs in Australia is a guy.
1: That is wild.
0: Uh, no. Anna. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> you know. I know. I know. But did you know that there are more people leading the ASX 200 companies by the name of Andrew than there are women in total? That is wild. That's a stat from 2018. Uh, I've got the latest numbers in 2021, which are my most latest numbers. We had 12 Andrews, 11 Michaels, and nine women. Bow, bow. Anyway, the person who dug up the Andrews statistic is Conrad Liveris, an economist and nonprofit executive, and we are super lucky to have him as our special guest on this episode.
1: So before we get stuck into the interview, we have a listener story for you. This story comes from a woman working in mining engineering. She takes us through a pay rise experience she had at work, how it was handled by her manager, and reflects on some of the emotions that come with a gender pay gap assessment. This is her story.
2: I am an engineer working in the mining sector, which is a heavily male-dominated industry. In 2022, women made up only 16% of the whole workforce, according to the federal government's workplace gender equality agency. This incident happened to me about six years ago now. I had been working in a job for only three months at the time, so I was relatively new to the company and role. One morning I was asked into my manager's office. He asked me to sit down and started with some small chat. Asking how I was enjoying the work in my new role and the site. After we got through the pleasantries, he starts telling me how the company we work for really values diversity and how they are striving to be great advocates for women in the industry. Although I'm a bit confused because I don't know where the conversation was going at this point, I'm pretty happy to be hearing this from my manager. He then starts to tell me that the company has recently undergone a gender pay gap analysis. He said that the review found that there were some pay discrepancies and the company was looking to correct them. He hands me an envelope with a letter in it saying that I was receiving a pay rise. My manager continues to say that the review looked at the entire company and compared all personnel in the same role with the same experience. He continues to say that women were not the only people uh, receiving pay rises and some men were also receiving a raise after the evaluation. The conversation finished, I thanked my manager and left. I left that conversation feeling very stunned. Obviously it was a great initiative that the company had undertaken but it was not a great feeling being the one who had been underpaid for the past few months. I also couldn't understand how this had happened since I only signed my contract and negotiated my salary a few months before. So consciously or subconsciously the company decided that my work was not as valuable as the males doing the exact same job as me. A condition in my contract stipulated that I was not allowed to discuss my salary with colleagues at the time Uh, and I also felt embarrassed that I'd been the one being underpaid so I did not speak about the pay rise with any of my other colleagues. I had no idea who else had been affected by this and it was never discussed on site publicly so those who were not affected probably had no idea of the review. No apology was ever made to those who were underpaid, and no remuneration was given for the length of time a person was underpaid for.
0: Our special guest for this episode is Conrad Liveris. Conrad is an economist and consultant and has worked with small businesses through to global tech giants on issues including. Flexible work, restructuring, diversity and inclusion, remuneration and performance.
1: The ABC has called him one of Australia's leading employment and workplace experts, and his knowledge on labour market economics is sought by decision makers, including government ministers and listed companies. Conrad's research and analysis looks at the changing nature of employment, breaking it down by gender and age to find the story of contemporary Australia. Hey everyone, we're here with our special guest, Conrad Liveris. Welcome to WorkFeels.
3: Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Welcome.
0: Great to have you here. Um, On this episode, we are going to discuss the ins and outs of what determines our salary, how the economy can impact what we're earning, what's going on inside companies, and what you can do to advocate for a better and fairer salary. But before we get started, Conrad, can you tell us what gets you passionate about workplace matters, market economics, and data sets?
3: Well, obviously, all of those things just make me such a thrilling and exciting person to be around. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, I, 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 behind every statistic, there's a story. Um, and, you know, when you hear that uh, the unemployment rate, which it is at the moment is 3.5%, that's actually telling us something about the lived experience of people on the ground. And that's what I find so interesting. If you want to understand, you know, whether it's a city or a region, a state, the country, wherever, you actually need to understand the economy. And it's, and it's actually, that's what's going on on the ground. And that's really interesting to me um, because it's not about the numbers so much, as interesting as they are. For me, it's actually about what that means for the people on the ground, and so uh, that's really exciting. And also, I just love a good chart, um, like a nice <laughs> put together, nicely put together chart. It's really pretty.
0: So you prefer charts over Excel spreadsheets?
3: Oh, they work in tandem. Um, oh. Like a nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. So to get a good chart, you've got to know how to play with Excel, and so you need them, you need them together. I've like a not insignificant amount of my time on TikTok and um, <laughs> um, I'm not a creator, I'm just a consumer. And um, but there are all of these freaking amazing um, Excel um TikToks, which are just like Excel hacks and stuff like that. <laughs> it's okay. amazing. It's... I did not think there was
1: Excel TikTok. <laughs>
3: yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I was That's showing weird. people the other day and they were like, this is pretty niche. Um, and I was like, it's fun. And also, yeah, so, you know, yeah, yeah. So, like, th- this is really not a great exposition on, like, how interesting I am. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's just too accurate is what I should say. But there we go. Um, so, to people. Woo!
1: So, da- data, data sets and graphics really do it for you. Uh, they are
3: one of the ways to my heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there have been many a times I've been on a date where I've been like, "Hey, I've got a chart about this." Uh, and so and that's. And that, I wish that was a joke, um, and like maybe it explains um, why why I'm single at the moment. But yeah, so there we go. There we go. Well, listeners, Conrad is single. You heard it here first. <laughs> and if you like
1: a chart, I'm ready. <laughs> Uh, All right, to jump right in, um, picking up on understanding, I guess, the the people behind an economy and like an, an employment rate, like you said. So we'll start with the basics. Inflation, we've been hearing about it constantly. It's been all across the headlines. In simple terms, what is inflation and what makes it go up and down?
3: Well, so there, there are a few different ways that inflation can go up and down. What we're experiencing at the moment is just massive demand. And so during coronavirus bad times, governments all across the world and in Australia flushed the economy with money. And that was the that's what we thought was the right thing to do at the time. And so mm-hmm. the federal government and the state governments were pouring money in and so things like job keeper and job seeker um and then also they started um pushing forward a whole bunch of infrastructure projects and stuff like that we're talking billions of dollars and it and it was the largest expenditure from governments um in peacetime and you know it's it was a it was a huge amount of money because quite seriously no one knew what was going to happen mm. it, it had been a hundred years since the last pandemic there'd been a, um you know a whole bunch of economic changes. So everyone was kind of figuring it out as we went along. And so what policymakers did is they were like, let's just go hard on all of this. And and that was what we thought was the right thing to do. And largely it was. What mm-hmm. we're seeing now is um, the rub out of all of that. So we're seeing the flow on effects. Um, and so there's just there was just so much money that was pumped into the economy. And, and now it's still kind of around. And most people, um, well, you know, there's never been more jobs in Australia. Um, It's absolutely Mm. gangbusters. The unemployment rate, Mm. it's so infrequent for it to be um, 3 point something. The underemployment rate is pretty low at 6.1%. So the unemployment rate is 3.5%. And the demand for jobs is really across the board. One of the things that's really telling to me is that there's a huge demand for office workers. And what I mean by that is really administrative office workers. So receptionists, personal assistants and things like that. And that that is going absolutely bananas and has been since late 2020. Um, and so, you know, and that's, that to me is a bit of a driver that other sort of parts of the economy uh, uh, and a whole variety of industries, because you need those people everywhere, just under so much pressure. And you see it also like in construction and stuff like that, that have you tried getting a treaty lately, at least here where I am in Western (laughs) Australia. Oh my God, it's so hard. Um, And so, you know, um, but there's just so much to it. Um, And so this is kind of what we're saying. And so there's just still billions of dollars going through the economy. And, And the other thing is, is that, We've all got personal money. We've all got a lot of uh, uh, savings. Are at a pretty good point, and they grew during the um, during 2020. And so we're spending. Um, And so it's this. That's really what it is. So it's all about the demand at the moment. Um, That's Mm -hmm. kind of what's doing it. There is also this small other issue as well. Um, I don't know if you've heard about. It's called the war in Ukraine. And so (laughs) just that small thing yeah yeah and that that's causing some issues as well and there's some issues in china they're really the production side of things but it's really the demand that's
0: right. driving right and so would it be correct to say in like a boiled down simple version that you know the government gives us a bunch of money and so we have disposable incomes we have more money to buy the things from the businesses so we're buying businesses with throwing money into businesses and then businesses have more money so they're like wow we can have more jobs and so then they create more jobs and then people have there's you know there's more jobs and then we have this sort of talent shortage so yeah that's because, that's,
3: yeah, that's, a, that's entirely right um and so you know the government said Here's here's your money. And we said, great, going to spend it. And then the businesses were so unprepared. Um, Every organisation was just so unprepared for the amount of demand that was there that Mm. they were like, oh, what? Um, And then, um, (laughs) and then, then, then coronavirus in China was so hectic that actually getting many of the goods that we do get from China, or at least in part from China, was so hard to get that if I, so let's say that. Etta wanted um, uh, a brick for a house and it cost $100. That's the only thing that came to my mind. Um, so, yeah, so let's say that Etta wanted um, a brick for a house um, and that cost $100. Firstly, what a ridiculous price. But, and then Ryan, you were like, but I also need a brick for a house. And the builder said, well, sorry, Etta's in first. She's paying 100 bucks." And Ryan, you said, well, I'll pay you 110 bucks." um and that's so that's kind of what's happened so the builder then goes to back to ether and say well you've got to do 110 bucks otherwise um i you know Ryan's going to get the um get get it done first and so that's kind of that's the issue that's driving up
0: inflation yeah mm. okay right
3: the
1: supply of, of everything is such well being an architect and my my dad's a builder and so i'm like rife in the middle of so you it.
3: understand bricks i understand <laughs> bricks
1: totally and i was like a hundred dollars per brick not far off at the moment <laughs> um no but the yeah that's like probably one of the largest issues facing our industry is just yeah the the supply issue of materials and then the labor to do to you know construct things Mm. is just so astronomical um and then that also stops people wanting to build and
3: construct which causes massive issues as well exactly and so that's going to be the next challenge is that there are going to be people who are priced out of the market um Mm. in all of this so because. Um, not everyone puts everything on their credit card and good on them, uh, but because <laughs> you're going to have, like, you know, there, there's a reasonable for um, possibility that there will be a debt crisis, a personal debt crisis for mm. all of these sort of things in the next few years. Um, and so, and then people, if you, I'm a big fan of Facebook groups. Um, and so, you know, you go into all of these you know, shunky builders and stuff like that. It's really, it's real current affairs sort of stuff. I love it. Where everyone <laughs> is sharing all of their issues about builders and they haven't had anything built in about a year. And that's only going to get longer because who's going to build it? Like there's like everyone, yeah. everyone is so busy. And like, you know, and building and construction is a really good example of all of these sort of things because everyone understands it firstly, like everyone can see it, but everyone, like it's applicable to almost every industry. Mm. Um, so, yeah. you know, and we can all apply it in our own different ways.
0: So, yeah Yeah, right and so in terms of like if we weave in the wage issue around you know wages are supposed to go up with inflation or at least that's what I'm told and if we sort of zoom out into maybe the last five to ten years and we see that wages are trailing behind inflation is this correct and and like what's going on there
3: yeah so with the last data that we've got Um, from the Australian Bureau of Statistics, which is a hotbed of Excel spreadsheets um, and charts. <laughs> they they froth all over it, to be completely honest. And so the last time when it all lined up, so it got, they re, they released stuff pretty much every quarter where it all lines up, but there's a bit of a, it's like a two week lag between wages and inflation. In September, the September quarter uh, in 2022, so inflation was at 7.3% um, over the year and wages were at 3.1%. Um, Hot tip: Those don't equal. Um, they're not the same numbers. Um, we got we got new inflation data this week for December. Um, now uh, for the December quarter. Now December is always a bit of a crazy month because um, Christmas um, mm-hmm. and it just floods the economy. So so you know so and that went to seven point eight percent. We don't have the wage data yet, um, but you know we're not we're not expecting wages in that area. Hmm. when you've got a gap that big where basically wages are half the uh, wage increases are half the rate of inflation over the year um, look it it, that's really concerning for so many reasons because basically um, what it means is that your dollar just isn't going as far Mm. and you know it means that you're gonna have to start making choices now like for for someone in Um, You know, who's got a kid, uh, you know, kids or, you know, a big mortgage or anything like that. And lots of people do, is that you actually start sitting there going, oh, okay, what am I going to cut back on? What I get concerned about when you dig down into the inflation data is that over the year, it's the non-discretionary items um, that are driving it up. What I mean by that is actually it's the essentials that run households and businesses. And so, you know, it'd be different if it was just like, Oh, everyone's going on like a holiday to Europe and everyone loves a new Maserati. (laughs) Like that'd be completely different. Like, but actually it's, it's literally like electricity. That was Mm. one of the biggest drivers. Um, And and, so, and gas obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And food and like, um, and they bre- you can break it down into really specific things. Like you can get you can get the inflation data on bread uh, and milk, um, and also one of my favourite ones to look at, and it's completely irrelevant, is men's footwear. <laughs> and it's just like okay, I don't know why we need why we need a whole line item on that, but we've got it for like forty years <laughs> worth of data as well on men's right. footwear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just in case, just in case, everyone. Um, and so. But like, and so that's the thing that's really concerning. And so wages just aren't keeping up with that. Look, economists who are far smarter than I are saying that inflation is going is turning the corner. This is the peak. Um, and, you know, and there seems to be a bit of that. And part of that is because the Reserve Bank has put so much pressure on households um, with the interest rate increases over the past year. Um, and so people are pulling back. Um, and so there is... There is a cooling of the economy that we can see that's going on. And it's just taking time to go through. So one thing that people don't always understand is that every time there's an interest rate change, um, it takes about three months for that to go through the economy. Um, So it's not like a, oh, interest rates are up and um, our bank is changing it today. Um, Well, I'm going to I'm going to cut back tomorrow, it, it actually takes a really long time. And so and it's just the flow on effect. It takes a little while. So that's kind of, so, so we are seeing it kind of go through. Um, just, there are just some different challenges that are on the way.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sorry, the connection into why businesses can then not pass on pay rises to match yeah. inflation What's going on for the business where they're like, no, sorry, we can't put we can't put money, out, we can't put pay rises out this year.
3: Well, look, you know, um, if you go back um, a little while ago, um, for the past, um, so I'm just looking at data right now. We haven't had wage increases of above three percent until until September the September quarter in 2022 since March 2013 um and so um so it's not like beforehand they were like you know throwing it around um they would ju- what it, look in in 2016 2017 it had a one in front of it um that's crazy mm. and so like it, we were just like what 2.3 percent isn't that awesome no it's not um like we should reasonably be saying um wages growing at about you know four percent over uh, over the course of the year that's what right. that's what I think is the optimum sort of level at the moment and we want to see inflation much lower we want to see, the Reserve Bank likes inflation being between two to three percent um and so and you want wages ahead of that um because when wages are ahead of inflation it means that people are able to um meet their needs better they've got some more, um, income, um, their, their standard of living will increase. Um, that's mm. what all of this is about. A mm. tip, no one goes mm. to work just for laughs. Um, they're doing it um, because they want to improve the quality of their life. That's fundamentally what it comes down to. Um, there are so uh-huh. many better things that we could be doing with our time than being at work. Um, and so, you know, um, well, at least I can. Um, and so, you know, that's, and so this is kind of, this is the challenge of all of that. The, the the problem the the struggle for employers at the moment though is that they're sitting there and so many of the things um there's so many of the supply aspects of of what is needed to run their businesses so um you know. Um, I'm trying to think of the words It's going really well so many so many of the supply <laughs> aspects of their business so the inputs um, so like concrete um, electricity all of those sort mm. of things that, mm. they, that you just need to run a business they're going up so much um, it's hard all of to your get
1: overheads
3: all of your overheads they're going up and you can't get everything that oh, get all the supplies that you need um, to run your business um, and you definitely can't get them on time oh that's awesome it's all great when things come a month late. Um, and so, you know, you're just sitting there going, great. So I'm paying 10% more on things that I was, um, uh, yeah, that are, uh, from what I was last year. And then, uh, and now I've got staff saying, give me a pay rise, um, at least in line with inflation at 7%. And you're just sitting there going, huh, what? How is this going to work? Because it's not like there's more money coming through. Yeah. And, so, and so basically what happens this is part of the conundrum is that, all right, so you, if, if you if your inputs, so everything that um, makes your business run, your overheads um, is going up, let's say, you know, in line with inflation at 7%. And then your staff are asking for wages at that sort of um, uh, wage increases at that level, which is entirely reasonable and fair. Um, and so then well, what are you going to do? You've got to put up your prices. Um, and so it's, um, you know, we don't always notice it when the coffee goes up by 10 or 20 cents, but we do notice it when the food bill goes up by 10%. Mm. Um, and, you know, um, it's it's those sort of things. And so this is kind of the flow-on effect. And that's basically the inflation puzzle.
1: So we can expect a slightly better outlook in the next sort of 12 to 18 months, fingers crossed, that the economy I will mean, cool off. I mean, we live bit. in hope.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we live in hope. Everything seems to be pointing to that at the moment, that things are going to cool down. They're probably not going to cool down to the level that um, everyone really wants it, which is inflation at 2 to 3%, because you need some inflation. Um, it, it, that's a good sign of a healthy economy and things are growing and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. um, we're... Uh, we probably won't get down to that level, but we'll get closer to it. Um, the, hopefully, the days of almost 8% inflation are, are getting pretty far behind us now. Um, that's that's at least what we're thinking. Thank God Christmas isn't in, like, another month and there aren't multiple <laughs> Christmases each year. Um, like, you know, um, because we just couldn't handle it. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, speak, speaking of people who probably don't worry too much about uh, the the quality of their life, um, so we've seen a, you know a stagnation in wages over the past decade, not enormous growth, whereas CEO incomes have been booming. Uh, a twenty nineteen report from the Economic Policy Institute found that from nineteen seventy eight to twenty eighteen CEO compensation grew by. while wages for the average worker grew by just under 12%. Now, for me, I just see extremely greedy CEOs who are screwing over their workers. Um, is, Is there more to it than that? Why do we see sort of the heads of companies and organizations just astronomically getting richer? And I guess why is the gap increasing between the CEO and the, the everyday worker?
3: Well, firstly, 1,007.5%. That 05 is really doing a lot of heavy lifting. Um, <laughs> and so, That's really Very important, important to have there. Yeah, yeah. It's great to be specific. And so, um, look, executive remuneration is actually pretty complex. What One of the things that we've seen over the past decade, though, um and and I've had a not insignificant amount of exposure to this sort of stuff and figuring it out and it's hard um because basically when you're giving someone at the top of an organization um, a pay rise or a bonus or something like that not all of them realize that you're doing that and they are expected to do that to people further down the food chain mm. and so there is a bit of a mishmash there and so there's a bit of a What I like reasonably in my mind, I kind of see it as a psychological issue um, for some people that they're not quite with it. And so, um, (laughs) but what I would say is that, especially in this past decade, where we have seen um, so much uptake in advanced technology, and especially at the moment when we're seeing more AI, robotics and things like that in organizations. One of the reasons why uh, why executives are seeing so much pay rises is because the overall productivity of businesses is going up. Mm-hmm. But I can't say that Edda and Ryan are responsible for that. Mm-hmm. You just see it as an overall that business unit is more productive and it's because of the technology. Back in the day, back in the 70s, back in the 60s you could say well little Jimmy over there is creating a bunch more widgets and churning out all of those uh, manufactured goods where today it's actually, it's, you can't really say that uh, it, it's it's harder to estimate. So, so basically what happens is you um, the executives are kind of the beneficiaries of this at the moment. I think we're getting to a point where that's going to change actually, because mm-hmm. there is so much focus on all of this, you know, over the past five years in in the U S and the UK in particular, and they've, they've got ridiculous, um executive remuneration like we're not great um but like you know it it isn't uncommon for people to walk away with 30 million dollars a year over there as an executive and it's like but why um yeah 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 yeah. um so so what i would say is that like so so that's that's one of the key issues that we are kind of facing in all of this um and so um and that's that's kind of the challenge that organisations need to navigate. And there's more work being done on that now. Um, and also, but like, you know, there is some ignorance amongst executives to be like, well, you're getting a pay rise and you didn't just do a really good It wasn't job because actually. of yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You are, you are not, um, you know, the second coming of Christ. Um, <laughs> like, just keep that in mind. And, you know, it's really hard for some of them to, to realise that. Because, because one thing that, that's occurred in Australia in the past 10 to 15 years is that we've said to executives, you are so important. Um, and, we've also said, and we've also seen the rise of like, the cult of personality around CEOs. And so they get all of this attention and we worship them and stuff like that for, for, for reasons that make zero sense to me. I hate all of that sort of stuff. Um, and so, but like you sit there and, and so they start to believe their own PR. Um, and Mm. that's, that's a great problem. Um, and so, yeah,
0: I saw in, I saw in the news, uh, just today or yesterday that the CEO of Apple, Tim Cook has taken a pay cut in 2023 and is only going to be bringing in $49 million in compensation.
3: Oh God. I mean, how, 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 how can he make ends meet? How can one put food (laughs) on the table? Yeah. Like, honestly, when, when he goes home to the family this year, he's going to say, it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty tight Christmas. Um, (laughs) like, you know, geez, it really is a hard life. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, if, um, if people are sitting listening thinking I haven't had a pay rise in a while, what are people's options when it comes to securing more money? And is it wise to reference inflation or a wage ratio, which is that ratio between the highest paid and the average paid paid worker in a company? Like is are these good reasons for a pay rise?
3: Look, they 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 are and they aren't. Um so on on the wage ratio between um the, the highest and lowest paid. Often that data is really hard to come across for, a, for a, um, a business, and so you'd be actually probably seeing it at an industry level. So it's not usually that helpful on, in that sort of level. Um, it is actually just contextual, though, to kind of say, hey, this industry does have this problem, um, mm. and you know, if it's going to be fixed, well, we've all got a role to play in that. Um when it uh, comes to the inflation sort of question everyone everyone is kind of saying it. It, it it is factoring into those decisions for businesses it has to one thing that we see and and It's quite pronounced at the moment when people change jobs, they get a pretty significant pay rise. And and it can be, you know, it's not uncommon to see people get a 15 or 20 percent pay rise by by changing jobs. So that's Mm. kind of part of it to say, well, I need a pay rise of, you know, at least in line with inflation um, and ideally higher than that, um, because if you're in line with inflation, it just means that your dollar is basically staying the same. Mm. Your quality of life won't increase. So, you know, um, otherwise I'm gonna to have to start looking for another job to do all of that sort of stuff. You know, that's not all, unless you've actually got a job to go to, that's not always the most persuasive thing. Cause I'll be like, all right, fine, go look for another job. And <laughs> while while the, the labor market is super, super tight at the moment, it's it won't, won't necessarily age you. What, but it is really important for businesses to take that into account. The big thing that organizations wanna say, is productivity, and so you've got to think about how that organisation values productivity. Is that because you bring in more clients? Is that because you're able to bill more? Um, is um, that because you're taking on more management responsibilities as well? You know, it might be those sort of things. I think that's actually a pretty low-hanging fruit at the moment, is because every every organisation that I speak to is understaffed. Um, and so, you know, that's the thing. And so, everyone is kind of doing a bit more. So they're not just doing the, the same job that they that they were originally hired for. They're doing that and more. So if you can quantify that and say, look, uh, in the space of four days, I'm actually doing a five day a week job um, because actually on that fifth day or you know at the end of each day i'm also having to kind of allocate tasks and do project management um or all of this business development that isn't actually part of what my job description is and and go back to the job description that's always a really helpful thing to see how um to see what's going on there and to say so here are the additional things that i'm going on and also if you can quantify the value of them that's awesome because giving someone the answer makes it so much more persuasive um, Mm. to say, I've actually already done your homework for you. They need to go test that and they need to think about that. And, you know, those things don't always line up. That's fine. But if you go in there and say, I deserve a 15% pay rise and they come back and say, oh, you know, look, you're right that you're doing so much more. Here are some reasons why we can't give you 15%, um, but we can give you 10% pay rise. Um, That could be a thing. And that could be very agreeable to you. Yeah, having another job offer is also really persuasive as well. Um, And it's it's definitely out there. We all know it. And so to kind of go there and say, hey, look, I've actually received this job offer. Um, I'm happy to take it. But also I want to know, I would would like to stay here as well. Is there anything that we can do? And, And, you know, You've also got to be kind of open-minded as well. Is that you know if you recognise that there is a lot of um, a lot of pressures on organisations to actually financially stay stay solvent. Um, you know nobody wins when a business goes under. Hot tip. Um, and so you know um, if they turn around and say, hey, look, things are actually pretty tight. In six months, I reckon we're going to be able to give you a pay rise. You can't hold us to that. But in the meantime. Um, here are some other benefits that we might be able to provide you. And maybe that means going down to a nine-day fortnight with no cut in pay. That's a mm-hmm. huge thing. And especially here in yeah. Western Australia, that's massive. That happens all the time. And so, you know, you've actually got those sort of options as well. And maybe, maybe it's sure. putting forward then. Um, so, you know, it's, it's you know, if we think, or we all think a little bit more creatively, we're actually going to get there. But, um, yeah, uh, uh, I think also... One thing that people don't often do is think about what is the most persuasive thing to my manager or whoever that they have to negotiate with? What actually um, gets them excited and on board with something? Um hmm. think really critically about that um, because, and also how do they, how do they communicate? Like, obviously I love charts and data. If someone can come to me, I, I hold executive role, uh, own executive role at the moment. If someone comes to me and says, Hey, here's all the information. Um, laid out in charts and data or you know easily put into that sort of um, into that sort of way it's super persuasive uh-huh. to me so you know think about it in those sort of ways as well
1: and when in terms of i guess when you're negotiating if you get the sense that the that a straight up um, pay rise isn't isn't working if the conversation isn't quite going in terms of negotiating maybe some other things like you said, the nine day fortnight or some other benefits, um would you have any tips for people I guess kind of doing that creative thinking outside of you know just money as your main motivator, but what else is it in in roles at the moment that people could uh, negotiate for 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 sort of better quality of of work
3: mm-hmm. Mm um so you got to think about what your motivator is in all of this i think i think at the end of the day given the state of the economy right now um everyone everyone is considering the financial sort of aspect in all of this so if there are ways that you can kind of get all of that stuff happening um that's really important that might be pay rises it might be like you know compressed work weeks it might be all of those sort of things um that give you either more time or you know it, it in effect increases your hourly rate, um, but you're still doing the same amount of work in you know, a compressed time, whatever. Um, so, yeah, but also, like, you know, when you think about, um, uh, you know, pe- people in their 20s and 30s, for example um you know training and development is such a big thing and so Mm -hmm. if there's a way if there's stuff that you're interested in doing it might be a short course it might it might be a full degree it might be going to a conference or something like that you can think about it in those sorts and put that forward and say hey this is also what i'm thinking about um and this is a gap in my skills and this is how it's going to be able to benefit into the future because um yeah, that's what businesses want to say that like mm. organizations want to say, um, it doesn't matter. It, and I say business and I really mean a, any sort of organization. So it could be in a nonprofit, it could be in government, it could be wherever. Um, and so, but it's the same sort of principles that are there, um, which is, well, how, how do, how do you currently add value? Um, and how, how can you continue to add value into the future? Um, so yeah, I, I think one thing just kind of, um, on, the, on this 20s to 30s age group um, is it's a pretty interesting sort of thing because the, the issues that we see in the overall labour market um, are exacerbated there. Um, so the unemployment rate for that cohort is lower. 80% of them are working where in the overall um, population, it's only about 70%, um, which is still very high. 80% of them are working full-time as well. And so you've got these things where actually, the world is almost their oyster. And, you know, when you think about people in that age group, um, in their 20s and 30s, um, that often they are kind of considered the future. Um, and, you know, um, the successes and, you know, um, bit bigger companies have really long-term career plans for people. Um, but you see it in smaller ones as well, where it's kind of like, oh, that person in, in a few years will take on this role and then on that role and stuff like that. Mm. and so. You know, if, if, if the threatening to leave sometimes can be a very persuasive thing because it's just like, actually, we've got plans for you. And and lots of managers and HR people are just so bad at saying that, to say, oh, actually, we actually think you're good um, and we want to keep you around. So many people aren't told that.
1: Which can be so motivating to actually stay and go... Okay, look, maybe I would accept the ten percent over the fifteen percent if I know that I'm actually valued, um, and that you know i that my company wants to invest in me and perhaps will support
3: me in upskilling myself as well. Totally. And if they're saying actually we're expecting, um, you know, Edda to leave next year, that that role is going to become vacant. If you're interested in that, we we'd be really we'd love to kind of you know, keep talking about that. So you can Mm -hmm. see that sort of promotion aspect kind of on the horizon. So yeah, and I think that's actually, that's kind of like, and organizations can be really bad at having that conversation. And so actually be really upfront with them and say, well, where do you see me going? Mm. Um, because most people don't ask that question. When I've seen these sort of things up close, I found that really, really persuasive. Um, and, and that's what so much of all of, when it comes to wages comes down to is actually persuasion. You're persuading your manager, you're persuading HR. Um, you are also in, in the same time um you're persuading yourself um because you're saying yeah i am like real i am worth that uh, (laughs) yeah 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 is it what's that line because i'm worth it um and so you know get that linda evangelista attitude i don't get out of bed for less than ten thousand dollars a day which like i wish was my life um but like you know it is it is that sort of you know think about it a bit you you're also when you're going through all of this you're thinking about yourself and that sort of thing because. Uh, one of the great risks actually in workplaces um, is that when people start having these conversations and good HR people and good managers know this, is that when people start negotiating their pay, actually, they're also, and, and getting the feedback from you, they're also getting themselves, that they are getting themselves into a good position to apply for another job because they've got a good idea of their flaws and their strengths and what their value is. Um, so even if that's not on your radar right now, but you start this process um, you might soon find to be like, oh, maybe m- maybe I'm not useless. Um, so,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> so our listener story this week, we'll call her Linda Inflationista, had her salary put up at a previous job because they did an equal pay gap assessment, which, side note, is different to a gender pay gap assessment. To put it simply, the gender pay gap is the difference in pay between men and women across the entire economy, while the equal pay gap is the difference in pay between men and women who are doing the same job. So our listener was informed that she wasn't earning as much as her male colleagues. She obviously had no idea what her co-workers were earning, so this came as a complete surprise. What do you think the best way to encourage the company you're working for to conduct an equal pay gap assessment and what are your thoughts about straight up
3: asking your colleagues what they earn? Yeah, so, so this is a, this is really interesting and important. Um, and I love gender pay gap analyses and, you know, and going into it in this sort of way. And and I love doing them. They're so much fun because um, it, it's, it's it can be a really confronting thing for an organisation because they're like, oh, we didn't even realise that. And these things can be quite incremental over time. And also you then get to a point where, like, it's just like, oh, we didn't realise that. We didn't care about those workers, um, and that's kind of what it comes down to. You say because you, 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 when you've done this, you can turn around to them and say, "Did you know that um, you, you kind of don't really appreciate? Uh, you don't financially appreciate um, the contributions that this whole cohort of workers is making, and that's mm. really, that's really important. And and I do." um in my executive role but also in some like consulting sort of stuff i do a lot of remuneration sort of stuff and, and it's and it can be it can be really difficult to kind of make work sometimes but anyway um the workplace gender equality agency has so much information and so if you search at they've got they've got a whole data set that you can go through and you can drill down um into so many different parts of your industry like you know and it can go into a sector um all of these sort of things. So, what what's really interesting in the latest data that they've released, which was late last year in 2022, 54% of employers um, had done a gender pay gap analysis for their organisation. Um, so it sounds kind of like that's what Linda Inflationista, which is fantastic, um, <laughs> it, is, uh, it sounds like that's what they did. But but here's where it gets concerning. Of the of those employers, 40% of them didn't do anything. Mm. Um, so they were like, Mm. yeah, so we know there's a problem and there is a problem because, um, uh, seven out, seven out of 10 employers, um, have a uh, pay gap that favors men. Um, those remaining three doesn't mean that they don't have one. It means that, um, in different parts it it favors women and that there's a small sliver that it's virtually equal. But, um, so, so invariably they found something, um, and, but so many of them did nothing, which is, um. You know, in my mind, I just kind of sit there and say, while well, while there are some financial reasons why you can't always act immediately, there are things that you can do. So if you're not doing anything, actually, it's pathetic, um, and they should hang their heads in shame. But um, so when it comes to what was your question? <laughs> Sorry, I, I went up on a tangent. Was... Oh, yeah, but like going to do a gender pay gap analysis. Um, yeah, it's really important. Encourage your employer to go do one. Ask when the last time that they did one and to kind of get that information from them because it's actually a pretty open, like, you know, it, it informs so much of what goes on. And because but so many people haven't done it, before, uh, so many organisations, and so, but it is becoming something that more organisations are doing. It is just a contemporary business practice. Um, it's actually really easy to do as well. Like it's, it's really not yeah, that hard. Yeah, it's not um, not hard data. <laughs> no, no, it's nothing complex. So you get everyone's pay, and you. You don't even have to separate it by name. You say, this is the level that they're at. This is their role and this is their gender. And it's just like, okay, got it. Um, And you start figuring stuff out from there. And and so that's a really important part of it. Like, just go do it. Ask if they've done it. Um, And the Workplace Gender Equality Agency, WGEA, they've got a lot of resources on how to Mm. do do a real quick desktop. We'll put
0: that in the show notes as well so you can have access to that.
3: It's
1: huge. And so... If you ask them, and so you find out that there is that that
3: pay gap, what? Oh, yeah, what pres- oh, yeah. What is- talking to colleagues about pay <laughs> is a real is a real fraught thing. Um, look, it's a it, it's happening more, which is completely fine. It's you gotta you gotta be pretty careful though. Yeah. Um, Australian, mm. Australians don't like talking about pay or financial situations. Because there were
0: some laws that changed. Was it last yeah, so year? Yeah.
3: they're coming. Yeah, they're coming through now, um, okay. which is to do with the Fair Work Act um, and the Fair Work Commission and the Fair Work Ombudsman. So the Commission deals with disputes. The Ombudsman does investigations.
1: Um, mm-hmm.
3: that, and so, and also if you think that there's something going wrong, one of my favourite things to do is to put an organisation through the Fair Work Ombudsman. Um, like they'd have a, they have a anonymous tip-off service um, and it's cool. And, you know, when I've, when I put in our organizations where I've been like, I reckon there's something up there. Um, you can, it takes ages because they go through a whole bunch of stuff, but in a couple of years, you can actually start to see, oh, they have been investigated or you have to assume that's what occurred. And like things have started to change. But anyway, uh-huh. um, so but yeah so so but the but they're both really intent on looking at um because of the changes to the fair work act um they're looking more at issues of gender pay gap um now and also like looking at things across industries so why do nurses get paid less than um lawyers and bankers um and so you know when um Look, all three of them are essential to a society, um, but at the same time, I would literally be dead without a nurse. Um, mm. I'd have a lot more disputes yeah. without lawyers, and I would have no idea where to put my money. I'd have to dig it up, I'd dig a hole somewhere if I didn't have a banker. <laughs> but um, you know, you got to start thinking about those sort of things. So, so they're really interested in those sort of things at the moment. Um, so, but what I would say is, start thinking. Of, uh, there are lots. Of, there's lots of information out there about how um, about where your job um you know seek um has a lot of information on pay that they share but then also mm-hmm. um the the workplace gender equality agency has some guides as well um so before you get to the point of being like hey ryan how much do you get paid in our same role <laughs> um like that wouldn't be my first port of call i'd be gathering some other information first yeah. um it, it could invariably be something that you do with people from other Organizations, And that's a much more common thing, mm. but um, yeah, but we are going to, over the next couple of years, we are going to see more people talking about pay at work. And that was one of the big changes that occurred with the Fair Work Act. And like, I'm pretty agnostic about that. Like, I think there are pros and cons um, with doing that. Um, and, and it is going to be a pretty difficult thing for, like, the culture of Australian workplaces and the economy because I don't know how it's going to play out because some people are going to relish it, and especially young people. Young people mm. are very happy to talk about these sort of things. But when you're talking um, to Linda Inflationista's mother, um, you know, who might be in her 60s and still working, um or, or or her father same sort of thing um it might be a more confronting thing um and so you know you kind of got to pick your audience if you're going to start talking about that sort of stuff
1: is it like a is it like a social thing that we don't like that the reason why it's such a controversial topic like you know to disclose how much you get paid i think obviously it's changing with the generations but do you do you see um i guess it changing on a social level that it's just becoming more acceptable to, to talk about it. Cause I find I personally, you know, I, I know what a lot of my friends earn, um, but yeah, definitely no one within the same organization.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what it is, is that we, um, you know, cause, because there's been so much sort of training that we've done together. So that might be uni or TAFE or something like that. Um, and so, you know, you start, you start there. Um, and so many more people are doing that now. Um, and so you've got almost 50% of Australians go, uh, Oh, well, you've got more than 50% of Australians going through formal education after school. And so you've actually got this cohort um, of people. And so you're sitting there going, Hey, what are you earning um, in your first job? And you start to see kind of what goes on there. Mm. And then it, and so there's part of that is that you've got this group of people that you can kind of talk to and and it's grown from there and so part of it is all of that um and so there is a social aspect to it and and that's part of the generational thing but then at the same time it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning the pressure on the economy is such that people are wanting to talk about this more to be like how are you doing this and also like we've all got that friend that um has like this ridiculous lifestyle and it's like but, wow, um, <laughs> I, you know, oh, I can think of so many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just sit there and say, "Yeah, all right, we earn a similar amount," and or you earn less than me, which is often the case, I find. And you sit there and say, "But how are you doing this? Um, you going on five <laughs> overseas trips a year? I just don't understand." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, mate, this doesn't make any sense um and so yeah and so that's kind of and so you, you start kind of talking about it in that way and so if you're not talking about it with those people directly talking about it to your friends and being like far out how are they doing this why is ryan always in the bahamas um why does he why <laughs> does he charter a plane to bali all the time um so you know um how um so you know it is that maybe sort of it's stuff.
0: time to ask that friend how hey much do you actually earn yeah yeah on that note thank you so much conrad for joining us this has been a super juicy conversation full of insane statistics and just really breaking down every single concept for us that's been amazing um if people want to find you <laughs> on tiktok perhaps or on linkedin where can they go to track you down you and your charts
3: Yeah, look, I haven't ever posted anything on TikTok, but, um, you know, just search (laughs) for my name, um, Conrad Liberus, and I tend to come up on most things and always up for, like, a chat about the good times on this stuff. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Conrad. No worries. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, Edda. that was an amazing conversation. Thank you so much, Conrad, for coming on the pod. So... Edda, what were your main takeaways from from our money episode?
0: All right, look, I'm gonna keep it brief uh because we've all been listening for a long time. But my two takeaways is number one, uh we've been talking a lot about salary. And I think it's good to also remember that if you are charging an hourly rate, aka freelancing your life away, that is also something that you know you need to be considering. So you know, if if inflation is seven or 8%, then maybe I will reconsider my hourly rate and perhaps I'll put my hourly rate up by 10% uh, as per Conrad's recommendations. You know, you just don't really know when to put your freelance rate up. And I think quite often I will put my rate up when I feel like I've leveled up in terms of a skill or I've, Uh you know, grown in my professional development but I certainly have never looked at inflation and gone oh I should maybe reflect what's going on in the economy in my hourly rate so that I can be earning you know ahead of inflation and I can actually be improving my standard of living Mm -hmm. so I think that's a really interesting kind of thing to think about as a freelancer Um, not to mention you know, as a freelancer, we really do need to incorporate so many more costs, which is a whole another episode, which this is like a slight teaser for. We're actually going to bring out a calculator to help freelancers determine what they should be charging as their hourly rate. And it's going to be just building in all of the things that quite often get forgotten. Uh, I think tax and super are Mm -hmm. the, the, the straight up you know, simple ones that we, we usually remember or, or we'll put aside money for. But then, you know, putting money aside for public holidays and putting money aside for sick pay, holiday pay, um, even things like maternity leave. Um, there's just so many things I think that we need to consider as freelancers. So Sometimes when you put your hourly rate, when you put it all together, your hourly rate comes out as something far higher than what you're what you're used to charging, or what if you've just transitioned out of a salary-paying job that char- that paid you forty-five dollars an hour, you you can't actually just go out into the market and charge forty-five dollars an hour because you're undercutting yourself like there's Mm. there's so many things that you really need to be incorporating into your hourly rate anyway this is kind of going a little off topic but this is a little teaser for a future episode which we're going to be dropping in the next couple of months which is all around hourly rates and how to how to set your hourly rate
1: and and don't don't undersell yourself learn learning learning your own value is it's a real process and it often takes yeah. quite a few years um, in in any industry to be like, ah, actually, I'm worth this much, and to have the com- yeah. confidence to charge yourself to charge for s- sure for you know what you're actually worth. <laughs>
0: <Sorry>. <laughs> my my little filter just hit the ground. Uh, um, let me tech- just tighten that. We're,
1: we're the home of technical <laughs> difficulties here on workfields. <laughs> Uh,
0: um. Now, my other my other takeaway. Look, I had a ton of takeaways, but without sort of, of reiterating <laughs> everything that Conrad said, I just wanted to share a little hot tip for the uh, for the potentially looming recession. Mm-hmm. I usually get my hair done at a hairdresser, which is a delightful experience and also can be quite an expensive experience. Mm-hmm. Um, today, I decided that I had was fed up with my hair, which had grown a little bit long, and I went to the barber.
1: Oh my god! And
0: <laughs> I got a haircut. <laughs> yep, I just walked in there and I just said, "Hey, do you take walk-ins? Uh, I just need a haircut." And they said, sure thing, just take a seat. Within a minute, they had me in the chair. I didn't even ask how much it was going to cost. I just thought, we'll just roll with this. We'll just roll <laughs> with and, and the lady cut my hair. I just said, I want a blunt bob, no layers, like just keep it straight. And she did that. She just cut my hair. It took about 10 minutes. It was the quickest haircut I've ever had. And then you'll never guess how much she charged me twenty seven dollars and what? fifty cents.
1: Get out of here. Do you know how much no, I pay I know, f- I how know. much I pay for my barber in Sydney?
0: How much?
1: Se- seventy dollars to cut my short <laughs> hair.
0: <laughs> Look, I, I think it's I think that, you know, hairdressers and, and barbers do a great job and I certainly think that
1: um, oh, I it's, it's worth it's worth it's worth, the money. Ev- it's worth every penny.
0: Absolutely. But it was an absolute just living the dream experience to walk in and be 10 minutes, $27.50 later, and, and I've got myself a, a totally new haircut. And like, and it's,
1: it's fine. You've got a whole new look, you've got a whole new vibe <laughs> in 10 minutes for $27.
0: <laughs> I thought if we're going to have a recession, I'm, I'm going be back to the barber. At the barber. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. All right. Well, to chime in with my two cents, um, listening to what Conrad said that I think it's, it's so hard to ask for a pay rise. It's probably one of the most difficult things you have to do at work, but going into that discussion really well prepared and kind of diversifying your, um, uh, your, your, well, having, sorry, going into that conversation really well prepared and having not just money as the sole uh, end goal for that conversation and thinking about your career a little bit more holistically if you you are in a career-type role, Um, but going into that meeting and thinking like, okay, I could do this training I could ask for this training. I could ask for this um, tech support. I could ask for my, you know, my work week to be be structured a little differently, like things that are going to make you happier at work Mm. and help you function better or help you learn more and grow more. And then look into the future and think, okay, if I just commit maybe a couple more years, I'm going to get X amount of experience. And does that put me in a better, even greater position to go okay now i'm really ready to look for a new role because i've got all of this experience Mm. so always go in there you know and try and try and get what you're worth and 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 prove it i think conrad mentioned how important some evidence is um but then also think about you know maybe it's not just money that would make things better how can you make your your work life and your career um better just outside of the dollar, dollar bills. Mm.
0: Actually, I actually have a hot tip from um an aunt and uncle of mine who work in the field of HR. Mm. And they said like always overshoot. So you know, Oh if yeah, you're you can come
1: back 50.
0: down. <laughs> yeah, but like if you overshoot, so if you're on fifty and then you say, I want eighty, which <laughs> which is a big jump. That's but if you jump. then say if you say I want 80, they'll just come back at the upper limit. So if their upper limit in their budget is actually 70, which maybe you would never have thought because you think, oh, maybe I'll get 55. But if you just go go big, maybe maybe 80 is a little extravagant, but let's go with that. <laughs> then they'll come back and say, oh, we can give you 70. <laughs> or maybe they'll say, oh, can give you 60. But then you know that they're coming back at, at the top of their limit of of the band that they're working within. Whereas if you come and say, I want 55 and they go, yeah, okay. Then, you know, Oh, didn't go high enough.
1: This is true. I almost shot myself in the foot with my first job in Sydney. I went into the interview with, uh, I was, I was asking for 10 grand less than what the role was actually offered at. And I don't know why (laughs) I was like, oh, wow, that was stupid. I don't know why. Like I had the interview via a a recruiter, but they just didn't. I told them my salary expectations and they were just like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And I was like, okay. But they didn't say, oh, yeah, that's fine. They'll totally offer you more than that. (laughs) And so luckily it it was a, a room full of very nice people and they were like, oh, yeah, we'll absolutely offer you the job. And by the way, it's 10 grand higher than what your expectation is. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, don't, don't undersell yourself and do, and do your research as well. Talk to your peers about what they earn. Um, yeah. I just think it's so, it's so important. And I, I think it's something in, in society that needs to change.
0: And just think of the CEOs at the end of the day. Exactly. You know, if they're bringing in the millions, we can bring in the thousand.
1: Screw the CEOs. You're, you're worth you worth another 10, 20, 30K. Just do it.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, um, also in our next episode, which is the all staff email, we will be going through some of the questions that we've been fielding around pay. So if you have a question that you would like us to uh, tackle in the next episode, do send it to us via Instagram or however you prefer to send it, go to the website and we will um, we'll do some research and uh, give you some answers. Uh, we can't promise that they are expert answers, but we'll give you some food for thought. <laughs> we, we do
1: we do not accept. We are not financial advisors. No, this. We, we do not follow this. any do not, financial this, this advice from us. Gen- general advice only.
0: <laughs> Life advice.
1: <laughs> Feel feels advice.
0: <laughs> All
1: right, team. Well, thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the money episode. You can find us on Instagram at work feels Pod. You can find us on LinkedIn. I always screw this up. Is it WorkFeels, just WorkFeels on LinkedIn?
0: I think it's just, yeah, yeah, just WorkFeels.
1: You can find us on LinkedIn, just search WorkFeels. You can head to our website, WorkFeels.com, where you can discover all of the episodes, more information, blog posts, pictures of us, anything you like.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Until next time.
1: Until next time. See you, team. I'm Edda. I'm Ryan. And this is Work
3: Feels.